and friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast. Ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show with five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. We are in the midst of a crazy World Series between Houston and Philly. About to get a Thursday nighter that probably won't be as crazy between Houston and Philly. And the Leafs earn a reprieve. But even then, it doesn't come without controversy. We will explain how at least one former player was up in arms after all was said and done in Toronto last night. I'm Tim McAuliffe in the Tim and Friends studios. Once again, Jesse Rubinoff riding shotgun on what should be a heavy reaction day from you, friends of the show, at Tim and Friends on Twitter and Instagram. Already one of those days, Jesse? Yeah, I mean, the Leafs win. It's not, it's not enough, though. we got to keep digging into stories. Well, I just looked down and saw 20-plus notifications. And yeah. then I refreshed, and it was 20-plus notifications. Yeah. And then I refreshed, and it was 20-plus notifications. There's stuff going down. World, game 5 of the World Series also going down. Justin Verlander attempting to get his first win in nine tries in the Fall Classic as he faces Noah Syndergaard, a game you can see on Sportsnet East Ontario and Sportsnet 360. Again, East Ontario and Sportsnet 360. Also a busy night on Frozen Pond. 13 games in the NHL. Six Canadian teams and no less than four of them on the Sportsnet family of channels. For your viewing pleasure, we'll hear from Gene Principe in Edmonton for a matchup of two of the hottest teams in the National Hockey League, the Devils and the Oilers. That's right, the Devils. Ryan Leslie on the Flames and the Predators. Sean Reynolds, almost said Ryan Reynolds, but that's a different story today. <laughs> Sean Reynolds on the Habs in the peg. Dan Murphy is in Vancouver, and we'll get you set for the soon-to-be Ryan Reynolds-led Sens and the Knights as well. Uh, last week, Kenny the Jet Smith joined the fray mm -hmm. and told us just how impressed he was of the Toronto Raptors, fresh off a pair of wins by a combined 73 points. We will see where Kenny the Jet Smith, TNT Sports, stands on the Raptors. And maybe the Nets, as the concern in Brooklyn just won't go away on a bunch of different levels. And fresh off an induction into the Canadian Sports Hall of Fame, our friend Dwayne DiRosario stops by to discuss the power of sport when wielded right and just how far Soccer Canada has come. All right, suffice to say, this is a jam-packed show. And it starts with the stories of the day. And first things first. So, pitter-patter, let's get at her set bladder. Oh. Back to Seth Blatter, disgraced former FIFA president. It was, I feel like we say that every time you use Seth Blatter. This is the second time I've used Seth Blatter. I, I have a counter, thing. and I said disgraced <laughs> former disgra disgraced former FIFA president Seth Blatter the last time. And you remember from a year ago yeah. that, my friend, yeah. is impressive. There we go. We're on the same page. Can't use the same names over because <laughs> Jesse calls me out on it. It's terrible. Do you know how hard it is to no, come Seth up with Blatter's a Seth Blatter's a good one. Every day. Pitter-patter. <laughs> Let's get at her. Seth Blatter is good. I mean, you can use that as much as you want. Let's go to the World <laughs> Series first here on First Things First. Uh, it took another dramatic turn last night. Astro starter Christian Javier and three relievers combined on just the second no-hitter in World Series history and the third in postseason history as Houston took game four, five nothing to even the series at two. And the Phillies put last night behind them and bounced back in tonight's game five. Yeah, fighting fills and all, but if I stay true to my word at the start of these Major League Baseball playoffs and or postseason and yesterday's show, it's over. 
The World Series is over. <laughs> the yeah. Astros are too good. They're going to get two of three at home. And tonight's game, listen, I understand Justin Verlander hasn't won a game in the World Series, but he's Justin bleeping Verlander. Like, eventually he will lean into a game and get a win. Even if it's not tonight, they go home for two and should have the pitching advantage at least in one of those two. I think the series is over. I know those numbers would suggest something different, but I think the Astros asserted themselves last night. That was a decider, especially in the 2-3-2 format. And if I'm staying true to my word, and I understand that these aren't the Phillies that we saw halfway through the season, aren't the Phillies that we saw three-quarters of the way through the season, Mm -hmm. the Astros are just too good, and I think that the series might be over. Did you feel like last night the combined no-hitter was almost overshadowed by the importance of the game because the Astros were, in effect, playing for their season last night? And and obviously it's combined. It's not one guy going out there for nine innings either yeah a little bit but listen the the combined no hitter is remarkably impressive it's also not even close to Don Larson going out and pitching a perfect Mm -hmm. game by himself in a spot where you absolutely positively need it it's not even Roy Halladay though the stakes are a little higher I mean obviously it's just the third no hitter in playoff history it is something to uh it is something to see as as big as as strong as as very impressive. Mm-hmm. It's not done, Larson. Uh, last thing for you before we move on. Uh, I know you said Verlander might lean into one here in the World Series mm-hmm. at some point. If he doesn't, are we looking at a Verlander narrative akin to someone like a Clayton Kershaw who people say can't get it done in the playoffs or when the lights are too bright? Is that a possibility? Well, I think the Verlander rest of trouble? the playoffs, though, offset the World right. Series, right? Yeah. <laughs> like it's it's pretty, kind, pretty darn good. It's the rest kind of, the of sort of crazy to look at his playoff numbers, and mm-hmm. then if you just split DSCS versus World Series, it's unbelievable. But that's, that's the highest ERA yeah. of anyone who's thrown, you know, I think it's 30 innings is the qualifier, yeah. which is a lot of innings in the World Series. But Verlander has been there, and this is one where he could kind of, you know he feels that. Yeah. Despite he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. And he is. Yeah. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. He should be a first ballot Hall of Famer. But he's going to feel that unless he can right the ship tonight. Yeah. And if he does, the jam is done for sure. Yeah. Hard guy, I would think, for his teammates to not believe in. It is Justin Verlander after all. Uh, More baseball coming up a little bit later on the show. But as Tim mentioned, it is a busy night in the NHL with 13 games on the schedule, including six Canadian teams in action. We'll have more on those games coming up a little bit later in the show. But last night, the Leafs got a much-needed win, 5-2 over the Flyers, as John Tavares recorded his 11th career hat-trick. Was that win enough to calm the panic in Leafsland? For one night, at least. <laughs> for one, for maybe two nights they don't play tonight. For two, two nights at least till Saturday night, maybe. But think about it. Like yesterday, we were talking about the possibility of jerseys or maybe even waffles being on the ice. Instead, it was hats mm-hmm. on the ice, as the much maligned John Tavares gave a captain-like performance. Earlier this week, we were discussing sometimes, sometimes you have to just take a deep breath and have some patience. It works, I swear. We were talking about Pascal Siakam being chased out of Toronto and Canada after the bubble. And here we are talking about Pascal being a legit top 10 player in the league. John Tavares is another one of those guys. Like, he has been absolutely beat down for his performance of late. That was the kind of performance that you want. And every once in a while, and this was one of those once in a while, you need from your captain. And and Tavares did it, didn't he, Jesse? 
Yeah, he did do it. And I know some people would point out early in the season he struggled 5-on-5, five five, had yet to score 5-on-5 five five until Yeah, but he was scoring last power night. play goals. But he was scoring on the power play. And, I mean, you sort of can't help but feel good for a guy that is much maligned in a market like this that, you know, many people say once that salary, once he commanded that salary, that was sort of like the peak for the Leafs because everything was downhill after that, given his age, and they haven't really gotten over the hump with him. So a very good start, and they do need Yeah, but a lot of that more. is just scapegoating, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're just looking for, and how many scapegoats have there been for the Toronto Maple Leafs and their fans yeah. and their media? Like Sheldon Keefe, Mitch Marner, uh, guys that are already gone, Nazem Kadri. Morgan Riley has felt that before. Jake Gardner has felt that before. And John Tavares was just one of the many who got that. It also helped that Matthews got a goal and got them off the snide. But that's not what most people were talking about after the game. It wasn't Matthews' one goal to get to four on the season. Oh, no. It was a little bit of a brouhaha at the end of the game where Travis Konechny and Matthews started at each other. And now... Once that started, a couple of Leafs came over, bunting and out of nowhere, Mark Giordano <laughs> off the top rope. And uh, I thought at first, like, this is just good for the Leafs. Like, to have a bunch of guys stand up mm-hmm. for each other in a moment during a win, until I saw former NHLer Mike Rupp hit Twitter with some food for thought. Now, here's the NHL Network analyst and host of That's Hockey, sorry, That's Hockey Talk. Mm. Podcast. That's hard to say. Eh? Yes. Yeah. That's hockey talk pod. Here, yeah. Here's Mike Rupp see, uh, telling us what he saw last night. Mm. All right. I'm sure everybody's seen it to this point, but we're going to go through. Austin Matthews takes a shot by Travis Konechny, and I'm okay, and I love this, actually, that Austin goes after him, right? Goes in there, gives him a whack. I, you're not allowed. You, you can't just take a run at me, okay? And comes in, lays a cross check. That's all good. Konechny gives him a whack. Matthews gives him a whack, and then Konechny's like, all right, let's go. And and Austin doesn't have to fight here. He does not have to fight here, although he's the one who kind of started this whole thing as far as going after him in the corner. But you can't just stand there and be okay with your teammates coming to your defense and you just laugh about it. We've seen this movie. I've seen this time and time again with Austin. Playing the cool card doesn't work. It doesn't, it doesn't float. It may scoop by, it may look cool on social media, but inside that locker room, at some point, it's going to wear thin. When you've got this situation, you've got a 39-year-old warrior that's been playing the game hard from day one, worked for everything he's got. He's got to come in here and fight this fight for you. You're going to smile, okay? That, that, that's the first part. Second part, Michael Bunting, Calder finalist last year. Line mate, second year man, you're okay with him getting involved. There's Kelly Yarncroke, Rasmus Sandin, and here's the thing, Austin Matthews is gonna stand here and your situation in this is you grab onto somebody to keep it even, right? Look at the body language here by Matthews. One arm, barely up, barely up. It's like a wet noodle. Touch, look away, turn around, look down at the ice. Won't even look anybody in the eyes. But you're okay with all this going on? All these other extracurriculars? Let's back it up a second and just look how weird this looks. Chaos is ensuing. Bodies are going everywhere. I see one. The referees are showing more liveliness than Austin Matthews. Standing, that looks weird. I'm sorry, it does. And this is going to roll forward. It's going to continue. Connecty's going to come back, let him know what he thinks of him. Austin's going to initiate again. Whack. Nope. I'll let the young kid take care of this. Going to stand here. 
smile on his face. If things don't change in Toronto, if this team doesn't start getting some team toughness and having a backbone, they ain't going anywhere. They're not winning anything. First off, no matter how I pronounce the podcast, that was so good. Like, <laughs> I, I don't care if you agree or not. It is a great convo with so many different levels. I'll start with this. It's not the first time that Matthews has been challenged and he just chuckled and has had people pissed off before. It happened in the bubble. Ben Sherratt, a lot of people saw this. And about a year after his wrist surgery, I think there's a fine line for this one with Konechny for sure. But as I told you a week ago, after the Winnipeg Jets game, I told you that I thought without real tough guys on the ice for the Toronto Maple Leafs that Matthews and Marner might have to take things into their own hands. And like Rupp, I wasn't saying that he needs to throw hands, but I did say he may need to cross-check someone in the face. Now... The interesting thing to me is the part about the rest of the dressing room mm -hmm. growing tired of the smirk. And Rupp would know more about that than me, of course. I will say this. There has still got to be some concern for the surgically repaired wrist. And what you saw last night from Matthews was a step. I mean, there are a couple of pretty famous moments where Matthews did nothing. This was not nothing. Like, he stood up for himself a couple of different times so did other dudes, but there are times when Matthews did absolutely nothing. This is a step. But Jesse, I'm still conflicted on this one because we have seen Sidney Crosby defend himself several times. But Sidney Crosby has also missed significant time in his career, including a big chunk of time after a cheap shot by David Steckel yeah. because Sidney gets into these spots. We remember Nathan McKinnon, right? He fought Matt Dumba. What happened to him? Missed games with an injury significant, though he ended up with a pretty good year, if I remember correctly, when all was said and done. Nobody in their right mind would ask McDavid to do this because he did it in junior and broke his hand. So the reality is this happens in hockey, and I really do think it's a great debate, but it's such a fine line. And remember, they used to do the same thing to Mario Lemieux, and he used to hear the exact same thing from him. Why don't you do something? You're big, you're strong, why don't you fight? I'm too busy winning Art Ross trophies, Hart trophies, and Stanley Cups, although there's one missing for Matthews here. The troubling part for me, the most troubling part for me, as opposed to Rupp, and the reason I said just over a week ago that Matthews is gonna have to cross-check somebody in the face is that a five foot ten, 175-pound skill guy, a feisty skill guy, but a skill guy, a five foot ten, 175-pound skill guy feels comfortable going after and challenging the reigning heart trophy winner to a fight. Mm -hmm. How is Leafs management okay with this? For the last five or six years, that's more troubling to me than the debate on whether or not one of the best players in the world should have to defend himself or not smirk while doing it. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the, the fights with McKinnon and McDavid and Crosby, frankly, are, are very good context and important context when it comes to this because they have suffered injuries in the past. Uh, we asked, simply, do you agree or disagree with uh, Mike Rupp on Austin Matthews. Let's get to a couple of responses here. Uh, Colton says, things changed in Pittsburgh when Crosby stopped crying every play and stood up for himself. Toronto needs that lesson. 
Uh, Eric Engels wrote and said, 100% agree with uh, Rupp, and I texted his video to a few NHL players on other teams, and they felt the analysis was bang on. Hmm. Uh, Steve Dangle, look, Matthew should avoid fighting at almost all costs, but there's 100% an element of truth here. One day there won't be an Igor Zamula to latch onto. Someone's going to drop the gloves and your teammates are preoccupied. Now what? But he'll fight then. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't he didn't think have he'll to fight. fight. Yeah, he night. didn't have to fight, so he didn't fight. Yeah. And guess what? Wayne Gretzky had an Igor Zamula on the team and never had to do it. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of people out here that want their cake and eat it too. You can't have the no fighting in the game and then have superstars having to fight for themselves. Mm-hmm. Like, that was the whole point of the code in the tough guy was that you didn't go after our best players and our best players in the game played yeah. because they weren't hurt from having to defend themselves. So stop, like, there's so many people that want their cake and to eat it too. Yeah. I'm not saying that properly. I, I, I would think I would think the most, like, like you said, actually. cake and eat it too. The, the, the <laughs> most encouraging part is that, you know, people have called the Leafs soft for years and his teammates did something about it. It would have been a bigger thing for me if his teammates just stood there and did nothing. Right. But the fact that his teammates came to his defense is, I, th- I think, and this is kind of a shame that it, it's gotten to this point, but an improvement from where they've, they've been in the past. But do people not think, and how many more you got there? Sorry? Do you have any more there? Uh, we can do some later. Do people not think that Matthews goes into the room after and goes, hey, thanks, boys, I got dinner next time around? Sandra, like, who writes in often, okay. did say that basically that exact same thing. Right. We, we don't know what was said in the dressing room, and it may very well have been Matthews saying, hey, thanks. Yeah, I really appreciate that, boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, the watches are coming in a week. Like, quarterbacks buy their O-line gifts mm-hmm. because they do this exact thing. I don't know if Matthews does or doesn't do it, and maybe Rupp knows more, but... If he does, then all that's kind of a moot point. If he doesn't, then yes, people could get tired of it real quickly. By the way, Ryan Reynolds' rumor interested in the Ottawa Senators and his, like, thinking emoji when people suggested that it might be him is very, very interesting to me. Very intriguing. And I I cannot wait to watch Welcome to Ottawa. Yeah. I mean, to your point, he's doing a good job with Wrexham, so... I will enjoy that. And I would watch a documentary if they wanted to do it that way as well. Uh, did you see the thing that Tim and Friends sent out of the Deadpool Ottawa mm-hmm. Senators? I did. Do you have it on your computer? I do have it on my computer. Uh, director Matt Taylor, if you want it. It's pretty good. <laughs> so good. <laughs> yeah, I would also not be good, opposed yeah. to a logo change. That's uh, very well done. Sports logo is net. Let's give credit where credit is due. All right. Let's go to uh, basketball in the Toronto Raptors. Another impressive win with our Fred Van Vliet last night blowing out the Spurs. 143-100 in San Antonio, the biggest road win in franchise history. What do you take out of a beatdown like that? Uh, that you're able to pull it off. I mean, listen, there were, there were two guys that were missing that are pretty significant for the San Antonio Spurs. Everyone kind of knew it going in, but a 43-point beatdown is significant. And what I would take out of it is the defense. I mean, Greg Popovich, after the game, was effusive in his praise of this team and the way they play the game. But that very thing that we talked about yesterday, about how they hustle, work hard on defense, that'll get you to 35 wins. Greg Popovich basically said the same thing. Like, they've got a great attitude about how you play hard every minute. And their coach has done a great job about making them a team. Like, these are the things that... that we're going to have to talk to Kenny Lee Jet Smith a little mm-hmm. bit later on about whether or not these super teams, player empowerment... We're going to be the coach, the GM, and the players is coming to an end because of teams like 
the Milwaukee Bucks, teams like the Golden State Warriors without teams. Kevin Durant. Teams. And teams like yeah. the Toronto Raptors, and we'll see how far they go this time. But uh, the, the dominance on defense, the dominance from OG Ananobi and what he said after about wanting to be the best defender in the league, mm -hmm. those are all good things if you're a Toronto Raptor. Do not just feel like it's just beautiful basketball. They're just a pleasure to watch as just a, a fan of the game, not even a fan yeah. of the Toronto Raptors. I feel like I'm repeating myself when we say that, but yes, enjoy the way that they work mm -hmm. their ass off every game because look around, it doesn't happen very much. No without question. A doubt. No question. All right, let's go to the uh, latest on the Kyrie Irving controversy. Last night, Irving released a joint statement with the Nets and the Anti-Defamation League, announcing that he and the team would donate $500,000 each to organizations that strive to, quote, eradicate hate and intolerance. In the statement, Kyrie said he was aware of the negative impact that his post had on the Jewish community, but stopped short of a full apology. Earlier today, NBA Commissioner Adam Silver also released a statement that said, quote, Kyrie Irving made a reckless decision to post a link to a film containing deeply offensive anti-Semitic material. While we appreciate the fact that he agreed to work with the Brooklyn Nets and the Anti-Defamation League to combat anti-Semitism and other forms of discrimination, I'm disappointed that he has not offered an unqualified apology and more specifically denounced the vile and harmful content contained in the film he chose to publicize. I will be meeting with Kyrie in person in the next week to discuss this situation. Shortly after, Kyrie made his first public comments since Saturday's controversial news conference and still did not apologize. I take my responsibility for posting that. Some things that were questionable in there, untrue. Like I said, in the first time you guys asked me when I was sitting on that stage, I don't believe everything that everybody posts. It's a documentary. I didn't mean to cause any harm. I'm not the one that made the documentary. Having anti-Semitic beliefs. Again, I'm going to repeat. I don't know how the label becomes justified because you guys ask me the same questions over and over again. But this is not going to turn into a spin-around cycle of questions upon questions. I told you guys how I felt. I respect all walks of life and embrace all walks of life. That's where I sit. I cannot be anti-Semitic if I know where I come from. Uh, what's your reaction to what you've heard over the past 24 hours? Uh, that he and... I want to phrase this properly, and I want to make sure that I get it right, but... Mm -hmm. Why doesn't he just apologize? Yeah, I think a lot of people are wondering the same thing. Like, if he believes that... If he believes in the statement that he put out there, why wouldn't you just apologize unless you don't think it's your fault? Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's what he's trying to say is that it's not his fault. However, when, when you break down his own talk, and I don't want to, I hate disseminating what people say, try and judge what's in their heart. Yep. Um, and, and it puts you in a tough spot, but just, Let's go back to Saturday, mm -hmm. and it's the same thing. He's talking out of both sides of his mouth. Like, he wants to say that he has respect for the Jewish people, but he won't apologize for putting anti-Semitic um, stuff out there. Yeah. No matter whether or not he's promoting it or not. Just Let's just go back to Saturday for a split second, and he complains that people are saying that he has a platform. And earlier in the same news conference, he says, I have a platform, 
and I'm lucky enough to get it out to people. Just here, here it is here. I'm in a unique position to have a level of influence on my community. I am no different than the next human being, so don't treat me any different. You guys come in here and make up this powerful influence I have. Like that was like a minute after each other yeah. in the same news conference and it feels like he's doing the same thing again here. Just trying to be proud, trying to prove his point and yet not doing the one thing that people want him to do. And I don't even care if it's apologized, but just acknowledge the hurt that you caused yeah. by sending it out there. And by the way, we need to hold other people accountable like the people who have the video still up. Yeah, uh, there's no question about that. Um, I think I can, I, I really appreciate that Kyrie wants to learn about his history and yeah. wants to learn about his truth. And I mean, I don't want to take anything away from that. Um, and I don't think he should be canceled or anything for, for trying to educate himself. Um, but what I got in that long chunk of, of his scrum, and it is important to listen to everything that he had to say. Right, which but is there why was, I hate disseminating. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of deflection. Um, there's a lot of, yeah, this, but you know, what about that? And I think that that's not just with Kyrie. I think that's with everybody. Or it's an issue that plagues society right now where there is an issue at hand, and instead of directly addressing that issue, you bring something else into the what equation. What about ism? Yeah. And then it just devolves into yeah. chaos from there. And I think that's what we're seeing in this situation. I think he's a, an intelligent person. Uh, he's an educated person. And I hope that he can just realize that when you have a platform like that, free speech is not the issue. You can speak however you want, but free speech is not free of consequences either. And that is, I think, the big takeaway for me today. Yeah. I just hope that he... he is as open-minded as he says he is mm -hmm. because I do believe in the, in the Plato quote, never discourage anyone who continually makes progress no matter how slow. No Just question. keep walking forward and hopefully we can get to a spot where we don't have to talk Love about it. ish like this. All right, still to come, uh, we'll go live to Philadelphia ahead of game five of the World Series. Head of the show, Dwayne Duirazario in studio to discuss his Order of Sport Award. Yes, the Canadian Sports Hall of Fame. And after the break, we keep the NBA talk going with Kennedy Jetsmith. Tim and friends, on a Thursday, otherwise known as Friday Junior. The Astros even up the World Series and four of their pitchers combined to no hit the Philadelphia Phillies. This crazy, beautiful, wonderful, unpredictable sport of baseball. They try to get back in the game. Look at that. His demise were greatly overestimated. Di Rosario finding space, takes the shot, he bends one and Dwayne Di Rosario does it again. Just magic. Dwayne Di Rosario at his best. What a strike that was. My next guest uh, made some news north of the border when he expressed his uh, admiration for what the Raptors had. They immediately got torched by the Sixers, but but after that, Raptors responded with a 30-point beatdown of the Hawks and a 43-point smashing of their Spurs, all without their all-star point guard, Fred Van Vliet. Ladies and gentlemen, help me welcome back to the show Kenny the Jet Smith. What up, Kenny? How are you, man? I'm outside getting my vitamin D. Oh, nice. <laughs> yes, indeed, today. Vitamin yeah. D day. It is, uh, it is just cold and foggy in Toronto today, so we're not jealous at all, Kenny. 
Well, yeah, it is a little cold today. It's 71 degrees. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so degrees. an interesting week or so for the Raptors as I move on quickly from the 71 degrees being cold. Uh, it starts with Tyrese Maxey killing them. And then the two beatdowns that I just talked about. Okay, so one of them came against the shorthanded Spurs. The other, though, hounding Trey Young into what some called the cripple double, 10 turnovers to go along with his double-double. Did they strengthen your opinion on them, or did the Sixers game trouble you? Not at all. They didn't trouble me at all. Yeah. Sixers were due to play well. They hadn't been playing well at all. Uh, but in terms of length, size, and aggravation, that's what the Toronto's yeah. has. They will aggravate you because they're difficult to guard. Uh, you're not sure who to put your point guard on, and then you're not sure to put your who to put your bigs on. So they have multiple guys who are in that six seven six nine range that have length, can handle the basketball, and can shoot the basketball. They are one of the most dangerous teams, as I keep telling you, mm -hmm. in the NBA. They are dangerous, and it's hard to guard them. And it's easy for them to defend you. Right. Right. That, that's the part of this, the defense. And when, when Greg Popovich is talking about your defense, I think you're doing something right. OG Ananobi said last night that he always thought that he was the best defender in the league. Like, I don't care if he's there yet. I love hearing that from someone. What's your take on OG's game? I, I, would, I would agree that he believes that. And I also <laughs> would believe that Scotty Barnes says, no, I'm better than you. Right. Like the guy on his team yeah. is saying, I think I'm better than you. And this guy thinks he's the best defender in the league. I just think that their size, their strength, their length, their, their aggravates. Like they will just agitate and aggravate you all night long defensively because there's no such thing as a clean look at the basket. Yeah, you can make shots. NBA players are, 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 are born and they practice tough shots. Yeah. So they're not uh, unaccustomed to them. However, you don't get a diet of easy shots against these guys at all because of their size and length and quickness. Right. All right, so I know the Lakers have won two in a row, but yesterday we were talking kind of about the Raptors. Uh, we were talking about the Bucks and the Warriors, and we were talking about the dream teams, the, the player-orchestrated super teams, Lakers, Clippers, Sixers, Nets, all struggling right now, and wondered, could we be seeing the end of the so-called player empowerment era, at least to the extent where players are handpicking their teams and teammates, Kenny? I don't think so. I no. think what's happening is you're catching some of these guys who still have the power to move and change their direction in the latter stages of their career. Right. So they're not really as maybe as, as a, a great a player as they were, so their impact doesn't do it. But I think the players in this day and age will always have the ability to, to change direction, move direction, based on, you know, the length of contracts and the size and the amount of it. So I don't think that's going to change. I think the changing of the guard is happening. Right. So you don't have, you know, the same player who is so dominant, uh, you know, like a LeBron James. You know, he would never go, you know, lose five games in, the, in his career and the start going. They just don't have the same magnitude of strength. Right. Uh, Steve Nash and the Nets, scapegoat or was Nash the problem? I think any time that, you know, you have a person, a team that's struggling, when you have two or three players who are probably top five in their position, you, you, your coaching is going to be looked at first. So that, that, I don't think it's a scapegoat. I think that it's a, it's a combination of all things from, you know, personnel decisions 
Uh, but your job as a coach, number one, is always to say, how can I get this talented players to buy into my system? That's first. Secondly, create a system. Thirdly, create an environment that reduces anxiety and increases ambition. And, and if you can't do that, you're going to have a difficult time in the NBA. It's tough to reduce anxiety with the three players that they have on their team, though, no? <laughs> I, I didn't say it's easy. <laughs> yeah, I, I okay. said, but your job is to reduce it. And, uh, and no matter what that is, and no matter how you can do that, your, that is your, your number one job. The number one thing that to me that it inc- increases success is stability and lack of anxiety and increased ambition. So seeing that light at the end of the tunnel for an NBA player. Uh, you can see great players at the end of the season shut it down mentally because, oh, we're not going to make the playoffs. So, you know, so you always have to keep that ambition and that light going somehow as a coach. Right. And when it's gone, Steve Nash is, and when it's Steve gone, Nash you're is gone. part of it. And he's part of it. Uh, you know, it's not his fault. You know, those guys should also have some self-motivation, they, which they didn't at times. They also didn't want to play for him, which is their thought process, which is them at times. The personnel around them, I think, is small. I think they're a small team in Brooklyn, not that good. That's not his fault. Uh, but he's part of it as well. All right, listen, Jesse and I just talked about Kyrie. Uh, Jesse had a brilliant message for Kyrie that went viral about up- uplifting everyone. I said my piece, though it was cut out of our post online. So for my <laughs> Jewish friends that text me thinking that I just sat here and didn't say a word, uh, it just wasn't as good as Jesse's. But I say that. To suggest that our starting point here is clear, though I will state it again, we stand against hate, against race, gender, religion of any kind. And I know that Kyrie tried to talk his way out of it again today, but is there a time, Kenny, where Kyrie learns that his constant distractions may end up costing him his career and his platform? Or do you think those are even among his priorities? I have no idea what's among his priorities. And, you know, it's not even my job to even, like, really care. Uh, you know what I mean? But uh, because the things he says doesn't affect my daily life as, as much. But as a basketball player, I, I'm, you know, I look at what he has to do. But I think in general, um, if we're going to take parts of what he says and only believe that, then that's not fair either on our part. So we have to believe that his, his um, apology was sincere. The donation was sincere and that he really believes what he says, because if we believed it the other way and only that, that's not journalism either. So he has to prove differently by his actions later on. And then we could say, well, you did that, but that doesn't that's contradictory. So right now I have to believe what he says. I'm going to accept what he says and we're going to move on. The the one thing that I will throw out there is that I don't think he's apologized. Like, he just said, I take responsibility. And I think there's a little bit of a difference there. Well, I I think that's a question you could definitely ask him. Uh, In in my estimation, the way, uh, from what I'm hearing and seeing, I thought it was an apology. And you you have the right. And the only thing that I had a problem, even when he said it the first time, was it wasn't a fact that, you know, he didn't apologize. What he, my, my problem was he, th- he didn't think he should be asked or questioned about it. Right. Because 
a lot of times, you know, there are people we've all learned. I'm old enough to know that some of my superheroes don't always have the information correct right. or always going to be upstanding. There's people I'm going to watch on television that I might not agree. People music I'm going to listen to that I probably wouldn't listen to if uh, agree with them. And there's also people's, you know, art that I might see and say, I don't want my ear cut off either. Right. So I, I understand that dynamic of what the art is and separating from the person. I'm old enough to understand that. But I'm also old enough to know you can be questioned because he has said he's the voice of the speechless at times. Right. So he's put himself in an activist role. So if you say, well, you got this information from someone who is very anti-Semitic. Why are you listening to him? And why are you believing that part of it is true? Right. You are you put yourself in position to be asked that question. Right. And for him not to want to ask it, that's what the only problem, answer it, that's the only problem I had with Kyrie. Right, and I'm with that too. Like, you have the conversation no matter how uncomfortable, and obviously he was uncomfortable yeah. with the questioning, yeah. but you have to have it if you're going to put yourself in those conversations. Kenny, we always appreciate our conversation with you. Thanks for doing this. No problem, brother. Uh, there is Kenny the Jet Smith, live from beautiful California, Los Angeles area. Nice. Must be nice. When we come back from one legend to another, it's one of Canadian soccer legend, Dwayne DiRosario. Dwayne DiRosario. Pops by the studio after being inducted into the Canadian Sports Hall of Fame. Hero. Next, we'll shake and bake with the big fella. Until then. Serial, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Dwayne. To all you parents out there, um, caregivers, uh, supporters, coaches, referees, uh, continue the job, continue the hard work, continue those sacrifices because one day, you never know, that kid that you're sacrificing for could be standing up on this podium and receiving one of the highest honors that sports could ever, uh, athlete could ever receive. And that's the Hall of Fame. Thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, uh, CONCACAF champion, two-time Canadian championship winner, four-time MLS Cup winner, four-time Canadian soccer player of the year, uh, most valuable player of the MLS Cup in two times. It's Dwayne Rosario, everybody. Welcome back, you? homie. That, that's got to be very cool. Yeah, and, and you know what's funny? I actually winged it because <laughs> uh, yeah. they didn't have my speech up and I just <laughs> spoke from the heart. But, yeah, it was, a, you know, besides that, it was an amazing, amazing um, honor and to be recognized and to be inducted into Canada's Sports Hall of Fame is, you know, was, was, was just an amazing feeling. We'll talk about some of the other inductees in this class that went in with Dwayne DiRosario. But I, I, I feel like we've been along with you for the journey, Sid and I going back a ways from your playing days to trying to help at the grassroots level to seeing some of your hard work pay off as as you know Canada booked a trip to the World Cup which I can't mm. believe I'm still saying um, but this the order of sport in Canada growing up in Scarborough probably playing at Lamoureux if I'm not mistaken every once in a while listening to pinchers maybe a little <laughs> Shaba in there yeah, could course, you ever have imagined the order of sport in Canada and the Canadian Sports Hall of Fame being on the resume? No, 100%. I, I, I would, I'd be lying if I said I did. I would be lying if I said making it to the national team. I would be lying if I said winning you know, four MLS Cups and MVPs and, and some of the accolades that you mentioned um, because I truly played the game of love you know, and, and, and passion. And when I represented my country, I represented to not only represent my country, but also show, 
Canada and the rest of the world that, you know, we have talented players here and, and we have players that can play football and, and, you know, take guys on and express themselves on the field. And that's something I, I took a lot of pride in every time I entered the, on, onto the pitch. Do you feel like, because as you're saying that, like, I think of what we have now. Players that do exactly what you're talking about, take guys on on the pitch, express themselves. Do you feel like you mistimed it? Do you, like, there, there can only be a few trailblazers. And I'll put that word beside your name. Do, do you feel comfortable in the trailblaze? Do you feel like I would have loved to play with these dudes right now? Is there a little bit of both? Yeah, for sure. I would, I would definitely say a little bit of both because, you know, it was, it was unique coming into to an environment that was heavily direct football. Right. you know, back in the days. And, and here I am coming in and, you know, taking guys on and sometimes uh, to a fault, you know, overdoing it. But, yeah. you know, it was just, that's how I grew. I, you know, in, in, in West Indian culture and, in, 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 you know, going and watch my dad play in, in the Caribbean men's league, it's like, you know, you salada man, if you're running yeah. up and down the line and excitement's going on. And that's what I, that's what I grew up with. Yeah. So I only, could share, I only could play with the expressions that I've experienced through my upbringing that brought me joy. Right. Right. Salad for uh, the uninitiated yeah, is a little nutmeg. Exactly. Do you ever play salad with a can at school? Of Never course. mind. Of course. I play with a can. I play with every, anything that you get your, your, your foot on. Yeah, that would get dangerous at times. Yes. I, I know you had um, the D-Row United Football Academy kids on hand at the ceremony. Why was that important for you? It's just the, the legacy, you know, to, to, to hopefully, if I can inspire one of them to say, you know, I want to be him one day I want to you know I want to be up there at any capacity you know I see see some of the players and some unfortunately didn't weren't able to attend but you know everything I do I just try to include my kids my kids my my two my three boys was there and you know just to to show them the possibilities of what can be if you believe in yourself if you work hard and and you stay true to yourself and um you know, I get it. Like, you know, we're in a time where, you know, social media is, is so big. And sometimes we kids tend to create images that's not true to themselves. Right. right. So I just really want them to, to show them that you could be authentically you and still make it. That's an awesome idea. And it's like you stopped me in my tracks because it's so true. Like these days, these kids think they have to be something mm -hmm. when the most acceptance comes from when you're just being you. Right. And people see through it, right? Like, yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. And, and I want them to not only show that as a representation of themselves off the field, but also on the field as well. Right. 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 Um, you, have to, you have to play. And, and yes, you can, you can idolize, you can watch, and you can mimic, you can you know, be inspired by other players, but right. you still have to bring your ingredients Right. To, to wherever, wherever you play or wherever team you, you, right. you play on. Steal an idea to here, steal an idea there, take this, take that, exactly. but still be you. Exactly. The culmination is you. Who, who do you think back on when you, you know, break it all down? Like when you stepped up on that stage and uh, the script wasn't in teleprompter uh -huh. and then everything starts rifling through the brain. Like yeah. who did you think back on the most? My father. Yeah. Yeah, and unfortunately, he wasn't there to, um, to, 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 well, he saw it. I can't see, he didn't see yeah. it. He was right on stage with me. Yeah. But, you know, just to see the smile on his face and, and, and how proud he would be, you know. And he, I know he's proud, but, you know, just to feel it and just see it, it was, was, was definitely um, the toughest thing that I've, that I've been through with all my uh, new accomplishments, you know, right. not having him right, right there that I could visually see, you know. But I know he's there with me. That's awesome. Um, I'm a pretty huge supporter of, of of 
all sports at the grassroots level. And I, I, I know giving some shine to sports that maybe don't see the highlight show all the time. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's kind of cool that we have things like you just went through. Like that induction ceremony on Sportsnet to, to see the OG John Tavares, yes, yes. Uh, the original gangster John yeah. Tavares, uh, Tim McIsaac, the Chattered, Chatham Colored All-Stars. Yeah. Um, when, you, when you saw all that, and it's cross sports, right? Like Haley Wickenheiser, does it, does it make you kind of understand maybe everyone else's journey as well? It's, it's funny because when you, when you look at uh, these names that, that we have up on, 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 the, on the screen, it's, yeah. it's like everyone has an amazing story. Everyone right. has their own journey and how they were able to translate the, the highs and lows, the evans and flows of an athlete, of what we go through as kids and, right. you know, and, 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 and be able to translate that onto, into your sport and not let it, you know, be, defeat you. You know, right. it's 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 amazing, and um, it's nice to see the Chatham All Stars, you know, get yeah. their get their shine, and um, you know, to be a part of that experience, and, and to see how happy um, the son was of, of of one of the the players that actually played on that right. team. You know, it's it's just it's surreal to be honest. It's yeah. surreal that you're among such greatness, and and you know, you as you said, you it's know, it's just like no? inner city metro housing yeah. kid. You know, I would you know who I would you know who who'd have thought, and it takes you all the way back to those days. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's the power of sport yes. at its best, right? Yes. Like, and I thought about it too, and I, I wrote it. I was like, Haley Wickenheiser, now a medical doctor, right? Mm -hmm. um, as mentioned, John Tavares, the OG lacrosse, yeah. John Tavares, math teacher. Yeah. Um, you, the academy, Vancouver in the politics. Like, there's kind of a running theme here of giving back, yeah. and it's very cool to see people at that level doing those things. And almost for me, like, we're always talking about the millionaire dudes, right? Like the the guys who are making 10 million a year, 20 million a year. Yeah. Like, I look at this list, and these aren't the 40 million dollar a year players right, right. these are the guys, like people who have been there done that and yet they still want to give back did you notice that running theme too oh for sure yeah. for sure because you know we we, we shared discussions um, leading up to 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 the induction and you know everybody's as I said sharing their their own personal experience and journey and where they're at now right. and um, it's it's amazing to see as you mentioned you know everybody's you know in some ways shape or form giving back to their community um and, and i think that's what it's all about is paying it forward you know right. it, it even if it's in sports as you said you know one's doing teaching one's doing um in in, in you know a doctor and it's still giving back you know and and you know through their experiences in sport you know, I'm pretty sure it's pretty cool that you sit down with a doctor. <laughs> yeah. You're you're Olympian, like how yeah. many times? Gold medal, yeah. gold medalist. Yeah. You're like, get out yeah. of here, right? Goat. Yeah, yeah, you know, and and my math teacher is is an NHL legend, yeah. and you know, it's that's these are these are things that you know inspire the next generation. Yeah, awesome. All right, so you had a swimmer in your induction class, a hockey player, lacrosse player, baseball team, a kayaker, a good friend of the show, Brian Williams, a, a broadcaster. Which one do you, do you think you could pull off if football was in the game? Wow. <laughs> so when you well, were winter sports is out the picture for me. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Well, my ankles hurt when I skate, so yeah, I can't right. skate. So, right. <laughs> so yeah. um, I would have to go with um, um, well, broadcasting. I mean, you've yeah, been talking for a while. I, yeah, yeah, I, I would, would take I would Brian Williams' job. <laughs> the Olympics yeah, and stuff. Yeah. 
<laughs> he's a legend. Yeah, he's he's, he's so. You just hear like, the voice. Eh? Yeah, just hear the voice. It yeah. just takes you back to to so many different great moments on, that we've witnessed, that we've all witnessed as a nation. Yeah, and um, he's such a great guy too. He's a fantastic soul, man. He's. You know, again, sharing that opportunity with yeah. a guy that I've admired and watched on TV. We've all watched on TV yeah. every time Olympics come on or any big moments come on. And, you know, he's a voice of the people. And um, like I said, he's just a great soul. Listen, uh, this is a celebration day, obviously, going into the Canadian Sports Hall of Fame. Um, with all that I've mentioned, all the wonderful stories, uh, I do think that we need to have a conversation about... Um, Canadian soccer, Canadian soccer players and maintaining the importance of maintaining that relationship. But we're going to save that for another day and you and I can have a conversation about what we're doing around the game to make sure that this World Cup takes us to another level, all right? Sounds good. That's uh, going to be a long segment. <laughs> it may be a long conversation. Uh, you can see the induction ceremony with all the names that I mentioned and the wonderful stories about our history Canada's history in sports Sunday, 3.30 Eastern, right here on Sportsnet, including this man right here, Wayne DiRosario. Thanks for doing this, man. My brother, always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. And hey, Christine Sinclair, apparently going to join us in studio tomorrow. We'll keep the soccer slash football talk going after the break, though. Six Canadian teams in action tonight. We'll head around the ranks, and of course, Game 5 World Series, Jeff Passan joins us live from Philly. Time for Real Sports Talk with Tim McAuliffe and friends of the show. Thank you very much, Team Dogs, back here. Tim and friends, another 30 minutes. We'll go around the rinks getting you set up for a busy night on the ice. Uh, 13 games in the NHL, plus a visit to Philly with Jeff Passan as we tee up crucial game number five in the World Series. That's right. It has been a great series so far with plenty of talking points every night. Last, uh, that was certainly true last night. Astros throwing a combined no-hitter to even the series at two apiece. Game five goes tonight. Sportsnet 360, Sportsnet East in Ontario, beginning with MLB Central, 7.30 p.m. Eastern, 4.30 Pacific. All eyes on Justin Verlander tonight. His struggles in the World Series have been well-documented, and after giving up five earned runs and five innings in game one, he is now 0-6 with an ERA of over six in his career in the Fall Classic. Phillies counter with Noah Syndergaard, who was supposed to pitch Game 3 before the rainout. He pitched in the 2015 World Series of the Mets, but has only thrown five innings and three appearances this postseason. Phillies manager Rob Thompson was asked what his message to the player was after to the players was after being no hit in Game 4. I walked in the clubhouse last night and I just basically told him to flush this it's gone and just remind him that we we got no hit earlier in the season when we played in New York and we came back next day and we and we won and we played well and that's what the plan is for today baseball's it's a game of ups and downs and you know you're not going to win every game and we kind of you know, we, we, are, we do a really good job in this clubhouse of putting bad games behind us and, and kind of moving on and continuing to have fun together. And um, at the end of the day, we're, we're all playing a child's game for a living. So it's hard to go out there and, and be too upset. And um, I feel like we play better when we're loose and just having fun. And that's what we do pretty well as a group. 
Don't we all, JT? Don't we all? Again, <laughs> Jeff Passan coming up from the park in a few moments from now. Six Canadian teams on the ice tonight. Marquee game of the night. Could be the Devils and Oilers who wow. are both coming in hot. Devils. And the Devils, yeah. seven of eight. Game regionally available. Sportsnet West with more. Gene Principe in Edmonton. Gino. Tim, it should be a very uh, entertaining and quite likely a high-scoring affair this evening between Edmonton and New Jersey. Let's start with the Devils. After a tough start, they're really coming on strong as of late. Seven wins in their last eight games, including four straight. And, of course, you have to watch out for a former first overall pick like Jack Hughes. But uh, don't sleep on, uh, on a guy who's such a brat, as in Jesper Brat. He has points in each of the Devils' 10 games so far this season. If you're talking about points, then let's talk about Connor McDavid, who has 22 points already this season, and he's uh, one ahead of his uh, teammate, Leon Dreisaitl, who sits at 21. Evander Kane, who had a hat-trick in the last game against Nashville, did not skate this morning, uh, but he is expected to play tonight. It's called just a maintenance day for the Oilers' winger. For Edmonton, they're looking to make it six straight wins and hoping to do so with some of their former greats in the audience this evening, Tim, as the Oilers will induct two new members into the Oilers Hall of Fame. They are former captain Lee Foglin and, of course, one of the hardest working players ever, not only in the Oilers history, but in the history of the NHL and a huge fan favorite in Ryan Smith. Nice. That'll be fun tonight. Thanks, Gino. And by the way, that brat, fourth in the league in scoring right now. Crazy. <laughs> South Highway 2, Calgary Flames continue their eight-game homestand against the Preds. Flames have stumbled a wee bit of late after a hot start. See tonight's game nationally. Sportsnet 1, 7 Mountain, 9 p.m. Eastern. With more on this one, Ryan Leslie at the Saddle Dome. Ryan? Tim, the National Predators and the Calgary Flames getting set to go head-to-head. -head. Both teams have lost two straight, so they're looking to turn their fortunes around. Keep an eye on Philip Forsberg. He's been absolutely on fire lately. At seven points in his last four games, he's leading the charge for the Predators. As for Calgary, not a lot of news to tell you other than the fact that everybody's kind of wondering about the status of Chris Tanev, who has not skated the last couple of days. Daryl Sutter not tipping his hand as to whether or not he would be in the lineup, but we will certainly be keeping an eye on that. Dylan Dubé also of note, uh, he is going to join uh, Michael Backlund and Blake Coleman. That duo has been together, and now you add the uh, skill and speed that is Dylan Dubé to that lineup, so uh, that one is worth focusing on as well. And maybe no surprise as the Flames go back to Jacob Markstrom tonight. He will get the start between the pipes. Tim. Thank you, Ryan. I can't believe no one moved the net for the Zamboni. Whatever. Canucks look to get back to their winning ways as they host the Ducks, catch it regionally. Sportsnet Pacific. Big night for our friend Kevin Bieksa, who will be honored tonight, will join us tomorrow to reflect on the night with more Dan Murphy. Tim, hello from Vancouver, where there were two number threes on the ice for Canucks morning skate today, neither of which will play tonight. But you can bet that Kevin Bieksa is probably going to have a better evening than Jack Rathbone, who will be a healthy scratch. Yes, Bieksa signing a one-day contract with the Canucks today so he can officially retire as a member of the Canucks organization. Now, he was never a league superstar or a perennial all-star, but the style with which he played made him a star in this city, clearly one of the fan favorites of all time. And maybe his honoring will spark the new version of the Canucks, because after a brief two-game winning streak, the Canucks on Tuesday night looked more like the team that started this season 0-5-2. They lost to the Devils, a game that wasn't close after the first period. No Brock Besser once again for Vancouver. He remains day-to-day, -day. and this might be a bit of a surprise, but Thatcher Demko not getting the start against the Ducks 
that would be Spencer Martin who gets the nod between the pipes. Tim? Martin hasn't played battle, say that much. Thank you very much, Murph. In Winnipeg, all-Canadian matchup, Habs and Jets. Habs placed getting Dadunov on their IR today, while Joel Edmondson, game-time decision, looks like he's going to get it going. Arbor's Ajax as well. With more from Winnipeg, let's send it to Sean Reynolds. Sean? Tim, with the Canadians and Jets clashing, you get two teams who have probably gone above expectations a lot of people had for them, considering both missed the playoffs last season. You also have two teams who are nowhere near willing to rest on their early season laurels. Take the Canadians, for example. Their head coach was asked about the team's good start. His response, good is the enemy of great, and we want to be a great team. Marty St. Louis even equated that to this road trip they're on, saying it's been a good road trip so far to make it great. They need to beat the Jets here tonight. As for the Jets, a great start for them. They finished their last game tied for first place in the Central Division. You'd think their head coach would be happy with that. Not at all. Rick Bonus said the team has only played one really good game so far this season, so the message pretty clear for both teams. Expectations are different than they were last season, and the bar is being set much higher. Tim. Say Jack for Jack Eye. <laughs> How can I screw up Wi-Fi? Now we know why they call them Wi-Fi, by the way. Thank you very much, Sean. Sens hosting the West leading Golden Knights in Ottawa tonight. Lots of buzz in Ottawa about Ryan Reynolds. Interested in buying the team. Meantime, Cam Talbot will be the backup to Anton Forsberg tonight, with Talbot slated to start his first game of the season on Saturday. Welcome to the best scene in baseball, the World Series at Citizens Bank Park. Game four between the Phillies and the Astros. Christian Javier and Aaron Nola, punch for punch in this one through four. For the fifth, bases are loaded. Cracks one to right, that's a fair ball. Alex Bregman delivers. Two runs are in. Astros in command. Splurging for five in the top of the fifth. Christian Javier. A name to remember and a night to remember. Six no-hit innings in the Phillies. No hits through eight. The Astros have a World Series no-hitter. It was an incredible night in what is turning to be a pretty incredible series, which is why it's nice to have the incredible Jeff Passan on the show once again. To quote Rakim, it's been a long time. What's going on, Passan? It has been far too long. I have my poppy. I got a ball game. Like, it's a good night, Tim. Let's go. <laughs> this has been fun, rolling. hasn't it? Yeah, you know what? I don't know if this is going to wind up being an all-time series. I feel like it's got to go to seven games for that. But so far, we've had a five-run come-from-behind victory mm -hmm. in game one. Grand performance by Framber Valdez in a shutout in game two. A five home run barrage off of one pitcher in game three and a no hitter in game four. So it's lining up that way, but I feel like we need some close games, some big finishes, maybe a walk off here and there to make it really jump up into that upper echelon of all time World Series. I got to ask you before we get into the nitty gritty, is it really that loud in Philadelphia? I mean, it's pretty loud. It's not, honestly, it's probably not as loud as Toronto. I'm not just like, I'm not trying to be that guy playing to the hometown crowd. Uh, Rogers, Rogers Center just has a roof, and Citizen yeah. Bank uh, Park doesn't. 
But I also I also spend like half my weekends uh, of this time of year at Arrowhead Stadium, so right. I know what a loud crowd sounds like, and this <laughs> is. It's a pretty hot crowd here. Understood. Uh, all right, so it's not Don Larson. It is very 2022. And last night's performance by Christian Javier at all was pretty damn good, no? Oh, I mean, it was incredible. And I, I think my favorite part of it, Tim, is the fact that we're in Aaron baseball now where less than half of pitches are fastballs. And here comes Christian Javier throwing 72% of his 97 pitches as fastballs. And this isn't some like 98, 99, 100 no. mile an hour fastball. It's a 94 mile an hour fastball. And so by velocity alone, it doesn't seem like a big deal. And yet you ask any hitter who faces Christian Javier, whether it's an opponent or someone on his team who's faced him in spring training, and they say to a man, you cannot see the ball or the ball ends up somewhere different than I was expecting or it may be 94, but it looks like 100. He's got all of the different properties that you need, whether it's the vertical approach angle, which is uh, if you want to think about it, it's like the pitcher's version of launch angle. You know, when a ball comes off a bat, it comes off at a particular angle. Or when a ball comes out of a pitcher's hand, it's coming out at a particular angle, too. And Christian Javier's is among the lowest in baseball. So he's got that low slot, but he also generates a really good amount of backspin on the ball, yeah. which, you know, when we're talking about physics here, the more backspin you have on the ball, the less it's going to drop. So when we talk about like rising fastballs or fastballs that look like they hop at the end, Christian Javier has the secret sauce for the best rising fastball in baseball. And it's the reason that he was able to make it through those six innings last night unscathed. And in his last month and a half has given up fewer than 10 hits. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. In a time of velo, 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 is this repeatable or is it just Javier? Oh, no, this, I mean, it's absolutely repeatable, but it's difficult to teach because the combination of like the low arm slot and that great backspin right. very few guys have it uh, you know it's why teams are hunting for those guys these numbers are all available it's why uh, Paul Seawald for example with right. the Mariners was a middling reliever when he was with the Mets goes to the Mariners and they tell him you throw your fastball high in the zone it's like hold on a second I'm like a low three quarters guy I've been taught to sink the ball and keep it low in the zone my whole life. And you're telling me you want me to throw it up in the zone? How does that make any sense? Right. Well, start throwing the ball up in the zone suddenly becomes unhittable. So, yeah, guys can train for that, especially ones who have those lower arm slots. It's just a really difficult pitch to execute. And the fact that Javier was able to do it with the precision and command that he does is what made him have a 2.54 ERA this year, what had him with 23 scoreless innings to end the regular season, and what's had him at 11 and a third scoreless innings with one hit in his two starts this postseason. All right, let's stay on pitching. Tonight is Verlander versus Syndergaard. Can you explain Verlander's struggles in the World Series? Nope. <laughs> I knew that was the passing answer. <laughs> I knew as soon as I asked it that that was the passing answer. So as a guy who studies these things, who looks at the numbers, I remember I once had a bet with Sid Sixero when he hosted this show with me. He had to sing Despacito in Spanish uh, if David Price ended up going six innings or more. And eventually my bet was Price is going Despacito. to get there. <laughs> Sorry. In, in Spanish? 
<laughs> yeah. No, I'm not going any further. I got the <laughs> despacito right, right. part, but that's about it. I left the pause for you. But uh, listen, the, the numbers, eventually he has to pitch well <laughs> because he's a good pitcher. The, yes, and that's that's precisely the reason why I sit here and go full emoji shrug. Like, I, I, I don't understand it because he's been good in all the other rounds of the playoffs. It's not like we get to the World Series and he tightens up to the point just because it's the World Series that he's not going to be an effective pitcher anymore. And yet it's been eight starts now. And I hate to say that he's had eight starts of bad luck or bad stuff or you know any excuse that's going to be out there because what's the likelihood of that like Justin Verlander has a bad start every seven eight starts you know you start multiplying you know point one two five times itself eight times and you end up with a number that's so minuscule it, it, it doesn't make any sense and so I listen I wish I had a better explanation and for Justin Verlander's sake I hope he goes out and shoves tonight because uh, the, the idea that this narrative chases around great pitchers, that Justin Verlander can't pitch in the World Series, that Clayton Gershaw falls apart in the playoffs, right. they're, they're just not true. I mean, you're facing better teams. You're facing better lineups. There's a smaller margin of error. And, and yet the notion that Justin Verlander is going to lay another egg tonight, still a tough thing to wrap my arms around, even if he's had eight of them beforehand. Uh, less than a minute to go here, but I feel like last night might have been the Phil's chance. I know they're the fighting Phil's, Verlander, then back to Houston. Am I wrong here, passing? No, but you know what? I came into the series thinking they were going to lose. I came to Philadelphia thinking they were going to lose. And they just have the je ne sais quoi about them. And I don't know what it is. They, you know. Is it the fact that they, their clubhouse is like a fraternity house and they're in their last month of college right now? That's what it feels like. <laughs> yeah. But is that enough to overwhelm, number one, Justin Verlander, number two, Framber Valdez in game six, and potentially Christian Javier coming back on short rest in game seven with the bullpen that the Astros have? I don't count the Phillies out of anything, but it's going to be a really tough road to hoe for them. Yeah, especially when they're walking behind you. You shouldn't count the Phillies out. Hi, Ponzi. Thanks for doing this, buddy. Adios. That's my other <laughs> Spanish for the day. <laughs> there is uh, the great Jeff Passan, ESPN, live from Philadelphia here on Tim and Friends. All right, we're going to take one last break. We'll get to game time, set things up for game five of the World Series as well as a busy night in the NHL. We'll do it all next right here on Tim and Friends. See We always hope your game day starts with Tim and Friends. we got a busy one tonight. Game five of the World Series goes Sportsnet East Ontario and 360 starting with MLB Central at 7.30 Eastern time. Now Hockey Central follows us in a few minutes as they set up a very busy night in the NHL. Oilers and Canucks games available regionally later on tonight while the Flames and Preds is a national game on Sportsnet 1. As for us, it's game time. What 
It's game time as we focus in on the games you will be watching tonight. Let's start on the ice. On a very busy night in the NHL, and there are special pregame ceremonies planned in both Edmonton and Vancouver. The Oilers will honor Ryan Smith and Lee Fogland, two members of the team's inaugural Hall of Fame class. A friend of the show, Kevin Bieksa, will be honored in Vancouver after he signed a one-day contract with the team to officially retire as a member of the Canucks. Coming back and walking in this arena, it was such a good feeling, stepping on the ice. I don't know if you guys saw Morning Skate, but I dominated out there. <laughs> so good. He dominated the Morning Skate, did he? So good. Yeah, He's very so good. good on the mic. Yeah, That's why he works here. If, if, if that was me too, I would love to take the morning skate. Yeah, I thought that was a wonderful touch yeah. to what was Kevin Bieksa Day in Vancouver. I feel like you'll be seeing more of that. Oh, without a doubt. As they should. It's fun. We'll see if he can bring some winning back to Vancouver yes. as well. Wouldn't that be nice? Uh, he will join us tomorrow, apparently, as well. So that'll be fun. Uh, the Flames will look to snap their two-game losing streak tonight as they host the Predators. I can't see why not. Chris Tanev missed yesterday's practice as well that as today's fun. morning skate. And a reporter made the mistake of asking Daryl Sutter about Tanev's status uh -oh. for tonight. Uh-oh. And don't waste time at press conference asking about who plays, okay? Until there's a mandate from the league that says who plays and who's not, I don't think it's up to the head coach to, to give information to the other team. In your opinion, should teams have to be more forthcoming with this kind of information? And I no, say this. either they mandate it from the NHL. He's right. Mandate it from the NHL. Mm -hmm. Or why would he give away that information? I get that you want to gamble on the games, Jesse. But unless the... Me. Unless, I know, a <laughs> lot of people want to gamble on the games. And that's why I'm bringing it up here. Yeah. But unless the league mandates it, which they do in the National Football League, they make you put whether or not he is probable, questionable, on an injury list, then you're never going to hear that information from certain coaches who believe that it gives an advantage to another team. I don't know if TANF playing gives an advantage to the Predators either way, but as long as he has a choice, he's not going to do it. So do I think that the NHL should mandate it? Maybe, probably, if you're going to make all these deals with gambling companies. But not everyone gambles, right? Yeah, I mean, it's a very interesting uh, story in the context that the NBA today, and this is one of uh, a couple times they've done this, the league fined the Thunder $25,000 for violation when the team failed to disclose the availability of Josh Giddy in an accurate and timely manner on November 1st. So, I mean, this is not the first time the NBA no. has done this. No. So this might be something that you're... You do deals with gambling companies. The gambling companies want something in return. And this is one of the things they've asked of the NFL and the NBA. All right, one minute left here on Game Time. Houston and Philadelphia meeting in Game 5 of the World Series tonight. And the two cities will also go head-to-head -head on Thursday night football as the Texans host the Eagles. Which game will more people be watching? It is football. Yeah, that's a wonderful question. In fact, it sounds like one that I asked our entire group earlier today in that our meeting. That is right. Yeah. And now you're throwing it back. I think it's the football game. Until the Eagles are up 20 and everyone flips over the oh, yeah, that, that may play, that may yeah. play a factor tonight. But yeah, it would be shocking to many people watching right now to learn that a game only available on Amazon in the United States mm -hmm. would outdraw the World Series. But it feels like to me, more people will be watching the Thursday Nighter, which could be a dog. Probably. Kind of interesting and interested in those numbers. Yeah, we'll be to look them up to see. when they come out. I don't know if Amazon can release them the day after, but if they do, 
we'll get yeah, them for we'll you right here in Denver Friends. All right, that does it for us. Hockey Central with Carolyn Cameron, Jamal Maris, and Luke Gazdick is coming up next. Thanks for watching, everybody. We hope to see you again tomorrow right here on Tim and Friends. Enjoy the night. Should be fun.